the same effect, same no, rates? It's a, no, it's a smaller effect, uh-huh. but it is a significant, something significant and measurable effect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, that's more surprising. It's true. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Hey, Dave, I got a, I got a good topic that yeah. I just pulled out of the hopper. Uh, but as we discuss it, um, I want you to take this pill right here. <laughs> um, just go ahead and drink that down. Do I get a choice between pills, the red pill or the blue pill? Well, no, I want you to I want you to take both of them. <laughs> okay. And see what happens. <laughs> no, what I want to talk about is placebos. Um placebos are super interesting. Uh-huh. Uh placebos of course are fake medical treatment. Right. Right? So example, uh, maybe a doctor gives a sugar pill to relieve pain. Right. Or a shot of saline solution to relieve soreness. Mm-hmm. Uh right? It's not medicine, it's fake medicine. They're most often used in clinical trials. So like right. a big pharmaceutical company has a new medicine for headaches or whatever, an actual medicine, a chemical, a new chemical that they have figured out that they think works. They've got to run double-blind clinical trials to prove that their new medicine, their new chemical is effective. So That they would lot, require placebos. It would require yeah. placebos, right? Yeah. So they give some people placebos, they give other people the actual medicine, and then they measure the difference, and the new medicine has to be more effective than the placebo uh, at doing whatever it is that it's supposed to be doing in order to get uh, you know, uh, approved. Uh-huh. The patients don't know which one they got. In fact, uh, the people who are handing them out don't know which it is. The, the placebo and the actual medicine look exactly the same. That's a, that's a good clinical trial. Um, but here's the thing. Placebos are actually effective for a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, they help with pain. Uh, and when, a placebo, when you give somebody a placebo and their pain goes away, that's called the placebo effect. Correct. And that's actually what I'm going to talk about is the placebo effect. Uh-huh. Uh, medical researchers know that placebos are effective in some circumstances, but not others. And when they are effective, I have looked and looked and looked. Lots of people have theories about why they're effective, but we don't know. But nobody knows for sure why exactly they're effective. Yeah. Again, there's lots of theories, but we don't know for sure. Yeah, I got a few of my own. Okay. <laughs> well, hold on to them because I, I will. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's talk about it, but not yet. Uh, placebos seem to have no effect on cancer, on heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, lots of other diseases like that. Mm-hmm. But they are actually quite effective for pain control, for nausea, for anxiety, for depression, for coughs, for erectile dysfunction, for irritable bowel syndrome, for Parkinson's disease, and epilepsy. You have most of those, right? Uh, yes, yeah. I have most of those. Um, <laughs> and, and they're also effective for insomnia. Insomnia is an interesting example. Patients who complain of insomnia and then they receive a placebo say that they no longer have trouble with insomnia. Um, and that's not, that's not everybody, but it's at pretty high rates. Pretty well, high. Lots of people who take the placebo say, I, I'm no longer... Do you know numbers at all? That's interesting. I'd have to look it up. I don't, I don't have it with me. It wouldn't be hard to look up. Um, however, here's the thing, though. Objective research um, that measures people's sleep uh-huh. will say that someone who's complaining with, with, with uh, insomnia then gets a placebo, 
their actual sleep doesn't change. Uh huh. So they go, they they fall asleep at the same rate, and they sleep for the same amount of time, like that. But then when they wake up, they say, "I I didn't struggle with insomnia at all last night." Okay. And we say, let's check the tape. Yes, you did. Okay, that's support for my theory. Okay. All right. <laughs> But the question is, what does it mean to be cured from insomnia? Mm-hmm. If a patient, if a patient is saying, "I'm happy, I got no more problems," right? Then it's it's interesting. Um, placebos are actually so effective for anxiety disorders that new anti-anxiety drugs are really hard to get approved because the placebos mess up the clinical trials so much. Mm. And so there's some really promising new anti-anxiety medications that they're really having trouble getting approved. Yeah. Because of how they are structuring these, they got to be really careful how they structure them because yeah. the placebos are so effective. All jokes aside, I do yeah. struggle with anxiety. As I you know, know you do. Yeah. I know you do. And a lot of people do. That's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. It's 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 awful. I know it is. Yeah. 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 Um, placebos seem to be more effective on children than adults. Mm-hmm. That seems, that makes sense to me. They're also more effective if you take two pills instead of one. Okay. <laughs> uh, they're also more effective if it's, if it's a large pill instead of a small one. Uh-huh. And uh, injections are more effective than pills. Right. Uh, it's Placebos are even effective if the person administering the placebo says very plainly, this is a placebo. It is, this is a sugar pill. It will have no effect on your insomnia or on your uh, Parkinson's disease or on your whatever. It will have no effect whatsoever. It still has an effect in that point. The same effect, same no, rates? It's a, no, it's a smaller effect, uh-huh. but it is a significant, something significant and measurable effect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, that's more surprising. It's true. Um, placebos are also very effective... Very. I'm sorry, not very. They're measurably and significantly effective in preventative medicine. So placebos reduce the likelihood that you're going to get a cold or a flu. Um, I think that that explains a bunch of the effect of homeopathic uh, stuff that Mm -hmm. really, like, there's no reason this should help. But here's a pill of, you know, that just has gravel in it. But it's special (laughs) gravel from... Uh from Jerusalem or something, right. you know, and like yeah. it's going to, okay, and that, but it does work. Uh-huh. It absolutely works. And here's the thing. If I take a sugar pill or a capsule with gravel from Jerusalem and whatever it is, and somehow it actually prevents me from getting the flu this year, I don't really care how it works. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad I didn't get the flu. Right. Um, some of that effect may come from just a positive outlook, if you believe, because we know that positive outlooks aff- affect the brain and the way that the brain controls the immune system. Yeah. Um, but on it, like I say, honestly, nobody really knows how and why placebos, there's been lots of studies on it, but it's hard to nail it down. Why do placebo, why are they so effective? So what do you think? I mean, my theory you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. I, I mean, I think it's like, uh, uh, what I'm going to call peace of mind. Okay. Okay. Um, the, especially with something like anxiety. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, last night I'm at youth group. Yeah. Okay. And, uh-huh. um, uh, as you know, I've been having a, a bout. I had a, a episodic, uh, intense anxiety that's been quieting down. That's right. Um, and last night I'm at youth group, which is uh, a more stressful part of my job. Okay. And uh, but it's in the evening when I'm less anxious. Uh huh. Right. Uh, 
And uh, a thought crossed my mind deep in my mind. I, I didn't even know the thought. Okay. See if you can follow me here. Okay. Um, and I had a, a rise in anxiety. Uh-huh. And I recognized it immediately because it, you, you know. You recognize the anxiety yeah, coming up. You yep. feel it mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And I thought, okay, what's this about? Right? Yep. It's late in the day. Yep. Um, and I said, what, what were you just thinking about? Uh-huh. And I could not remember or put my finger on it because it wasn't really something I was actively thinking about. Okay, yeah. It was deeper in my brain, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it was uh, mm-hmm. more of a uh, uh, automatic sort yeah. of uh-huh. deep thought that just passed through, and I could not identify it. Yeah, which frustrated me, of course. Of course, um, because uh, you know, knowing is half the battle. Sure. And in terms of anxiety, but yeah. um, if you if there's hope that um, it will be alleviated, because anxiety is such a mental. Uh huh. Uh, illness if you'll call it that yep uh the it's everything to do with what you're thinking yes but it's also physiological because yes. our brains and our bodies are you know as i've talked to counselors about anxiety they said uh here recently this is more physiological this is probably about right serotonin now. yeah uh-huh. probably yep. about serotonin levels mm-hmm. and stress levels and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. your body is uh is reacting uh-huh and uh so it probably isn't a lot of of the way that you're thinking but it's not uh it's not devoid of what I'm thinking. Sure, it's sure, totally sure. related. It's all connected. Yeah, it is all, and it's deeply connected. Yes, yes, and, yes. Uh, and so, with anxiety, if you, if for a moment you feel that you have uh, the chance of it being alleviated, if for a moment you can uh, share with someone what you're going through, yeah, um, you can get immediate relief. Totally. Uh, to varying degrees. Yes. Um, and you know, it just depends on who you're talking to and That's right. time. It all these all these factors involved. Yes. Right? So when it when it first hit me. Um, it was too high to do anything about it. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, right. But like, you know, last night, I'm thinking, okay, I, if I could recognize that thought, that would be really helpful to me. Yeah. Um, and so I could see where a placebo would definitely help with anxiety because it, it, the peace of mind, Yes. the thought that this, that, okay, science has given me a pill, they say it's going to help, uh-huh. and I'm going to take it, and there's therefore a um, a relaxing of those mental... Uh-huh. Fears and yes. concern. I'm getting help. I, I could totally see that with anxiety. Yeah. I can also see why you have cancer. You take a placebo. It doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything because it doesn't have any power. Right. right? And so it has a lot more to do with. It what doesn't we're have thinking. any chemi- It doesn't have any direct chemical yeah, power. Right. 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 right Fair right. enough. Um, but it does have a uh, power in that your brain, what you're thinking, yes, does have power. Right. Um, and you can't think those thoughts without actually taking the pill. Yeah, it, it provides right? so, you so that So they've that done studies piece. where you say, okay, yeah. so here's a placebo, and I want you to um, put your fingers, fingers next to the placebo, which is on the table, and then bring your fingers up to your mouth, but don't actually move the pill off of the table, mm-hmm. but pretend in your mind, think in your mind that you're taking the placebo, yeah. and then let's see that effect. No effect. Uh-huh. But you take the placebo, knowing it's a placebo, right? And it works, or to some degree. To some yeah. degree, right? It's uh-huh. not. It, it, it's. Yeah. I, I think it would, I would have a hard time seeing that work on me unless I believed that it was real medicine. Uh, you might yeah. be surprised. Maybe you might be surprised <laughs> if, if they said, "Hey, this is a sugar pill," and I was feeling uh, really anxious, and I took the sugar pill. I, I don't know, brother. <laughs> oh, I, right. You, if they said, "Hey, this is this is a new anti-anxiety medicine," maybe it would help me. You know, maybe it would trick me into thinking it's helping. Yeah, and it, so it has a lesser effect when the person says it's a sugar pill, but 
you know, the people that it works on are not because they're dummies. Mm-hmm. They know what that means. Yeah. Um, there's something, how can I say, our conscience, conscious minds are, are not everything. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. For sure. I think that's just what I said, right? Like yeah. Some, some sort of premonition or thought deep in my head that I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. So, there's, yeah, yeah. so you, when you swallow a pill, it may, who knows, there may be something deep in you, that you that's not conscious, that you can't identify, mm-hmm. that recognizes, hey, something just, I just swallowed something that is, you know, and when I have done this in the past, it's been super effective. Something that's related to this yeah. Yeah, yeah. disorder and... Whatever. Yeah. That's not. Con- yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. Okay. Now. Yeah. Here's here's something also that I have learned recently. Placebos are not just with medicine. There's also such a thing as placebos in surgeries. Surgical placebos. Yes. Uh, okay. Plac- I've not heard of that. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, in the last ten or fifteen years, researchers have begun to really examine the placebo effect in surgeries. Okay. Maybe the strongest example here is uh, a surgery, a very, very common surgery to repair the meniscus in the knee. Mm -hmm. There's about 750,000 of those surgeries a year. I've had one of those. Have you? Uh Okay. I did not know that. This will be interesting. Yeah. Um, It's very, very common. Very common surgery. Okay. Um, They, there have been lots of studies now on that particular surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. As well as others, but that one in particular, um, where they, so it's a double blind study. And which means that you go through the entire thing as, as if you're going to have it, but you're sorted into, into one or two groups. Either you're going to get the surgery or you're going to get a placebo surgery. And uh, the placebo surgery, everything is exactly the same as the real surgery, except that as the surgeon is about to begin to be invasive, the surgeon has a sealed envelope. He or she opens up that envelope and for the first time sees whether they're actually going to be doing the surgery or not. Okay, so the placebo surgery does not involve any incision at all. Correct. Okay. Then what they do is if it's the real surgery, they go through the real surgery, like always, if it's a placebo surgery, which nobody knows until that moment, right? Then what they do is they play a recording of an actual surgery and they go through all the motions and do and say all the things and they go through exactly the same, the same time period, the same, everything's the same. Everything's Mm -hmm. exactly the same. Gotcha. And they go out. Sometimes with the placebo surgeries, they will make like very small incisions, just enough so that when the patient uh, is recovering, the patient doesn't know whether or not they got the surgery or the Mm -hmm. placebo surgery. Can I interject there? Sure. As someone who's had surgeries, yeah. knee surgery, a couple uh-huh. back procedures, yep. uh, my appendix was taken out, yep. um, I can tell you I would know if I had surgery or not. Okay. Uh, it is it is painful inside. Wherever they were poking around, you you something was you know was happening there. Okay. If I walk if I woke up and my knee uh, felt perfectly normal and was just wrapped up, I would know. You know. They, a, a placebo surgery for me, I think they'd have to poke around in there, and that wouldn't be, you know. Okay, so for that ti- wouldn't be good. Typically, no, no, that's not good. Typically, for the placebo surgeries, they um, they do not poke the people around who in have there. never had surgery. It, that, well, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, that's an, that's something I would want to know. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's, that's kind of like the the pill where they know it's a placebo, right? 
Like, oh, if yeah, you, sure, if you, sure, sure. If you know, you wake up and you realize, oh, this was a placebo surgery, I wonder <laughs> okay. if it has any effect. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, so I, that I don't know about. Um, yeah. But I do know that that particular surgery, um, they've done many, many studies now, and there's almost no difference between outcomes of someone who had the surgery and mm-hmm. didn't have the surgery. So that's, I guess that's um, one of those things like herniated discs, which I'm familiar with as well. Sure. Um, that sometimes with, with rehab yes. and, um, and time, uh-huh. you can heal or, or live with your herniation or bulging disc. Yes. Um, and the surgery doesn't always help. Uh, that uh, knee meniscus and discs, those are, those are examples that um, I'm not surprised by that, honestly. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that, but there would be other procedures where I think I'd be very surprised. Yeah, so so yeah. kind of like the placebos with medicine, where like, uh, oh yeah, cancer is not going to, you know, a placebo is not going to affect cancer. Right. That there's just there's there's not even it's not even close. Yeah. The same thing. There are surgeries that are super. Okay, you got to get a, a lung transplant. Okay, sorry, right. a, a placebo <laughs> surgery for right. a lung transplant is silly. It, that's but, irrelevant. Um, but other pain-related surgeries. Right. Yeah. So it's a lot of those kinds of things. And so, and, and other, not just pain, but others as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so what happens is pain, especially chronic pain, and you, you probably know, well, you know intimately more about chronic pain than I do for mm-hmm. sure, but it tends to, over weeks and months and even years, go up and down and up and down. Someone is just living with lots of pain. And if you go to a surgeon, when it is at its peak, and mm-hmm. you say, I can't bear this anymore, I have to have surgery. Well, you go through surgery, and then shortly after that, you're like, oh, this is actually getting much better. Well, maybe it was because of the surgery, maybe because that's just part of the cycle uh-huh. of pain going up and down and up and down. But if, you, but if you're going to have, if you have surgery, you're absolutely going to attribute it to the surgery right. and not just pain going up and down, up right. and down. Right. With the meniscus, especially because the uh, outcomes are so almost exactly the same for those who have surgery, those who don't have surgery, there's been a lot of study on those. And um, they have done lots and lots of studies now of uh, looking at doing an MRI of knees of people who uh, don't experience pain and have no reason to get the meniscus surgery. Uh-huh. And what they found is that the meniscus is a lot of times just as damaged. We're like, okay, you're not complaining of knee pain, uh-huh. but oh my goodness, if you were complaining of knee pain, we would go into surgery right now, <laughs> but you're not. It doesn't need to be repaired. So in other words, um, part of what there's, what uh, 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 surgeons and other, well, research researchers about mm-hmm. surgeries are, are thinking is somebody says, oh, I got pain in my knee. I'm having trouble walking. And then, so what you do is you go to the surgeon or you go to a doctor and say, find whatever's wrong and fix it. Oh, I see something that's wrong. It, the meniscus is wrong. Let's yeah. fix that and let's see what happens. Um, but is the meniscus actually what's causing the pain? And the thing is, surgeries, surgeons for hundreds of years have not really, surgery science has not developed according to the scientific method, the way that medicine has. We don't do double-blind surgeries hardly uh, until just very recently right. in surgeries. And so it's just like uh, it, it, it's this accumulated wisdom that uh, has all kinds of potential for error. And now as they're going back and looking at it, we're finding out all kinds of things. 
And, but here's the thing. It's really hard to do good double-blind studies, which is what's required for the yeah. scientific method, with surgeries because surgeons don't want to do it. Of course what I'm doing is effective. This is how it's always been. And right. uh, patients don't want to do it. Right. Because if I want, if I need surgery, I want to get that surgery. Right. I want to get fixed. I want to get fixed. Yeah. Because I think it's broken. But the truth is that a lot of these surgeries, they're not effective. As we're, what we're, is what we're yeah. finding out. Well, yeah. So, so take back surgery, which I've had, yeah. which my uh-huh. wife has had, and I know yeah. a lot about it. Um, so there, you can look at an X-ray, an MRI, something like that, yeah. and uh, a doctor, a surgeon could look at that and say, oh, I could see all kinds of problems with this. We could fix MRI. this. We could fix this. We could yeah, fix th- this. This person should be feeling pain here or there, uh-huh. but this person is asymptomatic. Right. They have no complaints whatsoever. Correct. That happens all the time. All the time. Then there are people who have terrific pain. They yeah. have sciatica. It's, you know, they feel like, uh, like for me, it felt like someone was running screws in the top of my foot. Uh-huh. Just constantly. You know, oh, it was horrible. Man. Sounds awful. Um, yeah, I couldn't eat. I lost 30 pounds. You know, it was, I was sweating and getting ready yeah. to pass out. It yeah. Was, there was no, it, it wasn't like a, um, uh, some sort of fake pain. Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. Um, and then they, they did the MRI and they saw a big herniation. And it just made sense, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so they have to take the the imaging with the symptoms. Yes. Because they're they're shocked at how geriatric a, a middle-aged person's back can look, yet they have no pain. Right. Or someone who has pain, they're just trying to find what could be the source of this pain. Right. It's it's not always very clear from the imaging. Right. Right. And so uh, they may do a surgery on the on the wrong problem or a procedure that they're, exactly. just, they're just trying to stab in the dark. And that's the case with my wife. They had to do a number of procedures to try to find out What's you know? It's it probably a combination of various things that were contributing. Yes. Um, and so it's it's not an exact science, and it's not uh, easily predictable. And the back surgeries do not have good results uh, statistically. Right. Uh, in many cases, you have a failed back surgery. They say that that could be it in terms of back surgery ever helping you. Uh huh. Um, and so it's it's something you don't go into lightly. You do your research, and you don't just oh just go fix it. Um, some people have that kind of cavalier attitude, and it doesn't work out. Right. Um, and with this research, that's very interesting, right? Oh you yeah, have, you have some pl- placebo surgeries that are that are showing good results for pain relief. Um, then you have to say, okay, what what is happening with pain? Um, there are times after my procedure, it took a long time to feel normal. I feel pretty normal, like the best I've felt in years. Uh huh. Um, and that's, but it's take, it took a long time to quiet all that down. Yeah. You know, nerve yeah. when nerves yeah. are flared up, it lasts a long time. Sure. Um, and, uh, there were various points where I could, I would see some progress or I know, okay, this, this exercise helps. This one seems to hurt it. Uh-huh. It's all like trial and error. Yeah. Trying so, to, so you're doing yeah. your own scientific right. method research, uh, yep. you know, doing that kind of stuff, but that's not what's happening with, with surgeries. Yeah. That's why in it's, general, I mean, it's that, a that, shot in the dark. It's yeah. let's try this, let's try this. And man, there's a potential for a lot of harm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, uh, usually, though, uh, with the imaging and the symptoms, they can they can get pretty close to what's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's just whether it's going to cooperate and if they can fix it. And so there are lots of people who get relief. Oh yeah, yeah. and I'm not saying that, that that surgeons are dummies and that and that they're all you know witch doctors. Not at all. Not at yeah. all. Uh, but it doesn't have nearly the scrutiny of scientific method research that like medicines do. Yeah, I think what I'm what I was, I'm getting to is the idea that pain is more complicated. Yeah, that's true. Than, that's true. Than that's very true. Just the mechanics. Although, if if the mechanics are off, you're going to have pain. No doubt. 
Um, but as I was saying, there were times. Well, I don't know. Is that right? If the mechanics, because because it's like you were saying, and I know it's true. Mm-hmm. You can they can do an imaging and like, whoa, the mechanics are way off, but you don't have pain. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. Yeah, it, I guess it depends. It depends. <laughs> That's um, the thing. We don't know. It's still there's so much we don't know about pain. I think you, you look at an image and there's a there's a herniation, but maybe it's not putting that much pressure on the nerve. Maybe it looks uh-huh. like it, but it, maybe it just isn't. Maybe it isn't. But I know, um, f- you know, the, the pressure on my nerve, it was, man, yeah. I, it was like a lightning rod down my leg. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. the whole leg uh-huh. from this little spot, of, of, a mm. fingernail sized spot in my back, mm. is making my whole leg light up. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, excruciating. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, what I what I was gonna say is I noticed that uh, there were times when the the pain was irritating me and agitating me, and there's research about the uh, about pain pathways. Yes. And about your body getting used to pain yes. and kind of like predicting pain yes, and relying right. on pain. And there are times when um, uh, I would just take uh, some hard hitting medicine and go to sleep and wake up and try to quote break the cycle of pain. Um, and, and there was, there was some benefit to that. Yes. Um, and, and the, the longer that you suffer, the more likely you're to have those pathways and this kind of chronic ongoing issue. Mm. And there's just so much more research that needs to be done on that. So much. And so the fact that a a placebo surgery is showing good results in this is fascinating, right? Uh, Clearly we need to know more about the brain and all these, these neurological pathways that are Totally. That's exactly underneath right. Underneath the surface. The, um, some people will say, okay, so if the placebo surgery is working, then maybe maybe repairing the meniscus or doing something to the back or whatever. There's a couple of back, specific back surgeries that are now pretty well established that they don't actually, that the placebos are every bit as effective as, mm-hmm. as non-placebos. But, okay, so about pain. If the placebo is the same as the surgery, then what's the harm in just go ahead and doing the surgery? It's not actually doing anything, but if it actually makes people feel better, then what's the problem? And the problem is that w- different from a sugar pill or whatever, uh, the going ahead and doing surgery that we know is not going to be particularly effective is very expensive and it's very risky in terms of infections and other things that could happen during surgery Again. if it's not needed. Again, as someone who has had surgeries, yeah. I would never get a surgery. Uh, they suck. Oh, yeah. Surgery's awful. Yeah. Um, I would never get a surgery unless I thought it was really going to help. Oh, for sure. And that's true for yeah. everybody. And that's, that's kind of... Well, I don't know that. I think people don't... I think there are people who haven't had surgery and they think, oh, I got a problem. Just go fix it. Or maybe they had a successful surgery. Yeah. And the next time they're like, just go fix it. But then, okay, so what's successful then, right? So it, one time... Uh, I had surgery and then my pain is gone, but it did that. Is it because of the surgery or is it because of something else? It's yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting, yeah. but there's a risk in surgery for sure. Oh yeah, well, just the scar tissue, just the invasion, totally. just yeah. the. I mean, you uh, you know, you have your appendix out. Believe me, you feel stuff down in there. Yeah, I mean, they, you can feel someone's been in there. Someone's, something's intruded my body. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and surgeons and hospitals and everybody and insurance companies, everybody involved is uh, the whole system is set to, let's keep doing more surgeries. Let's not question it. Let's just keep doing mm-hmm. it. Let's just keep doing it. Um, oh, yeah, you got a problem with your knee? I, I can fix that. I can fix that. And Because it's money. It's money. Well, it, it's also surgeons like to do surgery. Yeah, I mean, that, right, That's right, their right. field of expertise, and that's what they want that's to do. Right. And it's, the, it's, a, it's a, 
a very interesting repair they're trying to make. Sure, and, sure, sure, uh, sure. You know, like there, there are people who love to fix broken things in a house. Uh-huh. Um, and they love it. You know, uh-huh. it, this, is, this is broken and I fixed it. Well, right. surgeons are the same way. Right. Yeah. Right. And they don't like it when you say, um, yeah, but, this, but when, you, when you didn't actually do the surgery, it was every bit as effective as when you did. Yeah. Right? The meniscus, it was, oh, no, but the meniscus is healed. Yeah, but their pain mm-hmm. is this, you know. The person that yeah. you healed their meniscus and the person you didn't heal their meniscus, they have yeah. the same outcomes. You know how um, I see people using placebos all the time? How's that? Uh, they're, they're parents with kids. Uh-huh. Their kids are sick. They got a fever. And yep. they go to the doctor. Yep. They go to the doctor, not because the doctor's going to do anything for that kid. Uh-huh. The kid's got a cold, and the doctors can't do anything about it, um, but it provides peace of mind. Yep. We took him to the doctor. We got him checked out. Same thing with your car. You're going to go on a trip, um, and uh, you know there's a sound in the car, and it's making you nervous because you don't know what it is, yep. and you go, and you just have someone listen to it, and, and that... It just provides that peace of mind. Yep. I got it checked out. It looks, you know, it's all good to go. When kids um, are smaller, what you do is you kiss their boo-boo, mm-hmm. right? And then that makes it all better. When we, when we had the twins as uh-huh. new parents, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, we had thermometers. Yeah. And we were always taking their temperature. Uh-huh. By the time Elena came along, we didn't even own a thermometer. <laughs> you know why? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it, yeah. It's like, oh, gosh, the, their, their fever is uh, 104. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Well, if it's 109, that's yeah. different. Right. It's never 109. Right. You know, I mean, it, it, there's something seriously wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like you could, I would feel the, her forehead. Uh-huh. Uh, or I'd kiss her forehead and know, oh, she's hot or I, she's really hot or, you know, um, I might be tempted if she was really hot to, uh-huh. to get the number, but it's so funny uh, how paranoid you are as a new parent. Yeah. And then you, you have a few of them around and you've been through it a couple of times and you're like, oh, Kids get fevers all the time. Yeah, they do. They get colds all the time. Yeah. And this is this is nothing to get excited about. Right. I don't need to go pay the doctor right now. I really <laughs> right. don't. Yeah. Right, right, right. But when you're younger, you want that peace of mind. Yeah, that's right. It's it's placebo. It's uh yeah, absolutely. I didn't really talk about uh we haven't talked about bedside manner, but bedside manner has been studied um tremendously and it is very good good bedside manner is very effective at healing. Uh, a lot of uh, symptoms, not cancer mm-hmm. and not heart disease, but pain, anxiety, um, shortness of breath, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Bedside manner is super effective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, with anxiety, the the fear is um, th- you even, anxiety becomes its own animal. Yes, that's right. I'm afraid of, of getting the anxiety back. Uh-huh. Um, and if I talk to someone or if I'm going to talk to someone and I believe they're going to help me, yeah. um, just the belief that they're going to help or that's gonna, there's going to be some relief or, hey, I'm going to get some medication soon. I haven't taken the medication yet, mm-hmm. but I got the script in my hand and I know I'm going to get it soon. Mm-hmm. And I already start feeling better mm-hmm. because there's hope. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a change, a mental change. And we're talking about a very mental problem. Yes, yes that's right. It's, but it's also chemical. It's also biological, physiological. It's, it's linked. And, that, and we're yeah. linked. And that connection is mis- still yeah. very mysterious. It is. What you think affects your body yes. affects the health of your body. And, and what your, yes. what your body, this is what I'm saying What's about the pills. Like your you swallow body the pills. Affects what Even you if you know that it is a sugar pill, uh-huh. it still has an Some effect do, yeah. on your mind. In some way, we don't know how. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's true. It's true. Yeah. The neuroscience is, is breaking open. 
I uh-huh. love it. It's I so fascinating. I um, all the brain scans they've been doing and the, yes. the, all they're learning about the brain and yes. all the, the neuropathways and uh, fascinating. You know, I've had bouts with anxiety over the years and uh-huh. um, realizing that, that uh, just like our, our episode on psychedelics, you know, yep. what's going on in there yep. and how is this helping? Is this, totally. have people been using this for thousands of years? Uh-huh. And, you know, we're not using it and we ought to be. Well, you know, what, you know, all those sorts of questions are, I think, really uh, provocative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I was uh, back in time, maybe maybe neuroscience would have been for me. But yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Me too. It's fascinating. Let's keep reading and thinking and talking about it. Hey, this is Dave with the Hopper Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Willie and I sure do enjoy this, and we hope you're enjoying it too. If you like this podcast, we sure could use some help. It costs money to keep this thing rolling. You can give at patreon.com forward slash the Hopper Podcast. You can also go on your mobile device and swipe the cover art, and there'll be a, a line there that says support the Hopper Podcast. We sure could use some help. We appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, Dave, let's do another uh, Dream Team draft. Sounds good. You remember we did the one on uh, sitcoms. Right. And uh, we asked people to vote on who had the best team right. uh, of sitcoms. Uh, and let's do that again. This time, let's do it with stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians. So uh, let's just say that... Um, only their stand-up material. Only their stand-up material. Because a lot of comedians right. do stand-up, but then they also movies do funny and, movies. Right. And okay. there are some comedians that are, do mostly movies. Uh-huh. I'm not thinking of those. Yeah. Let's do stand up so, yeah, okay, comedians. Not, not necessarily your favorite funny man, but yeah. stand up comedians stand known up. for stand up and only their stand up material. And thinking about their stand up uh-huh. material that you just like yeah, this so and, like, and a dream team. So like I I've seen John Candy movies I thought were hilarious, but oh, I've never seen him example. I've never seen him do stand up. I don't think he's known for that. He's he's known for like like sketch acting and for yeah. you know that kind of stuff. Right. And that yeah, he is hilarious. He would be near the top for uh-huh. just hilarious people. But he's not a stand up comedian. Not Got a stand up comedian, so okay. he doesn't fit the bill here. All right. We'll pause and then we will return. And we're back. And we're back. Okay. I've got I've got my picks here. Um Night. let's see. Let's, it's, here's a coin toss as to see who goes first. It's going to be our top five stand-up comedians. Who's going to win here? <laughs> we actually don't have a coin. I, I it's can't okay. Find it's a okay. Coin. Um, People don't have coins anymore. You went last time. For you went first last time. I'm going to go first this time. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So first round, and I got. I'm going to try and get the best possible dream team I can of stand-up comedians. And so I'm going to start with Dave Chappelle. Okay. Dave Chappelle is, uh, I don't know that he's he's my favorite comedian, but I think that he might be on your list, and I want to get him before you do. Definitely um, on my list. Hilarious. Yes. Socially relevant. Uh, anyone who's, who's spent a lot of time... Uh, Thinking and talking about race yes, relations, totally, and he has. Um, that's what he. That's a lot of his stick. Like so many comedians, he is he is very terrifically crass. Yes, and so he was not my top pick for that reason. Yes, but I agree. He is hilarious. His funny. His when he is funny, he is. The, the other thing I really, really like about him, not just that he does race, but that he is. Uh, 
he doesn't really care what other people think of his opinion. He re- uh-huh. He's not just trying to be funny. He is trying to uh, bring some new ways of thinking, which is part of what humor is supposed to do, I think. Uh-huh. A surprising way, a surprising take on something. And it's social commentary. It's a little bit like um, like MASH when we talked about MASH. Yeah. Um, it's this social commentary, but then also like brilliantly funny. Yeah. And he's got a way of looking at things that is fantastic. Uh-huh. And uh, I appreciate the story, I suppose, where he was doing so well with his TV show and then just quit altogether and was like, right. okay, I'm done. And then at the right time, he's like, okay, now I'm going to come back. And right. uh, he just, when he starts feeling pressure to to uh, do more material about this, like, okay, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. Because he's his I'm own gonna, man. He's his own man. He broke free. And that, and that makes his material more authentic it does and more funny i think yeah and definitely more dialed into to totally. him and not so much the producers of the, his tv show yeah. um yeah that, so that was a good a good switch for him um and i don't know all that happened there but i don't yeah. either and that's and and that doesn't that story is 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 yeah. actually what i know of it is really compelling but that's not relevant here what's relevant here is that he is hilarious and he is authentic and true to himself, which makes him more funny, I think. So my first round draft pick is Dave Chappelle. Okay, well, I'm you glad got? that you didn't take my first round. Okay. Because I think this guy's a ringer. Okay. Um, especially for uh, us as, yeah. as ministers and Christians. Okay. Uh, he's not a believer, but right. he's not crass. Okay. Uh, and there are a number of guys who are like this. Yes. And, uh, and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan. Oh, man. Jim Gaffigan. I, I, when is I was thinking about Dave Chappelle, I was like, it's either I either have to pick Dave Chappelle or Jim Gaffigan, and, yeah. and I went with the wrong one. Ah. Well, uh, yeah, Dave Chappelle was going to be my second pick. There we go. Yeah. Jim Gaffigan. Okay, so you're right. He is absolutely wonderful. His bit where and he, he is a Christian. He is he? Yeah. I don't know if he is. He's he's a, he's he is known. He's a very dedicated Roman Catholic believer. Interesting. Yes. Huh. Yes. Because uh, he's had little bits where I was like, I don't think, I think he's, he's you know, a little blasphemy there or a little, uh, you know, not not just like an irreverence, but 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 more than that. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he is, uh, he's got the bit where he t- cracks a joke and then he mimics a lady yes. in the audience. Yes. You or know, someone in the audience. Someone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of mocking his his own joke. Yes, um, he, he's got a, lots of great material. The oh hot pocket gosh. stuff, yes. the McDonald's stuff, the bacon, uh, the camping. He is. The, I mean, yeah, so many things. He's someone that uh, I can turn on the whole the whole family can watch. And Absolutely, can, yeah. easily. So he's my number one draft. Okay, all right. Well, I'm going to go with another person who is um, clean mm-hmm. that I also absolutely love, and that's Brian Regan. Brian Regan, I don't know him. You don't know Brian Regan? Nope. Okay. Um, I'll have to play you some Brian Regan. He is very similar to Jim Gaffigan. Okay. And I think in the same... Jim Gaffigan is more popular. There's no uh-huh. question about that. But I don't understand why. Um, okay. That Brian Regan isn't well, on I'll the same level. I'll have to check him level. out then. He really, I'll, I'll show you some stuff yeah. um, before we get done because, yeah, you, you need to know about Brian Regan and... Uh, let, let, I'll, let's see. I'll try to insert some stuff here. Anyway, okay. 
Dave Chappelle and Brian Regan. You've got Jim Gaffigan. Who's your second round draft pick? Okay, my second round. I, you know, last time my strategy was to get strong play. Like I, I said, I got like a five out three point shooting team. Yes, yes. Uh, and you went for the well rounded. I'm going to go well rounded team. I'm going to go well rounded this time. Okay, I'm going to use okay. your strategy, and I'm going to get an older comedian. Yep. That I think is hilarious. Okay. That uh, I loved watching then, and I would watch reruns of him now. Okay. Rodney Dangerfield. He was. He was going to. He's on. Uh, stink. Yeah. Um, yes. No doubt. He is absolutely brilliant. Um, he made some funny movies too. Yes. And we're not counting the movies, but his stand-up, his uh, his appearances yeah. on The Late Night with Carson and yes. other things. He's, I've he's seen some funny. of his movies, and they're fine. Yeah. Uh, if we, we, maybe someday we'll do a, a uh, comedians that are in movies. Yeah. He's not even going to be in my top hundred. Yeah. But his stand-up. I would ha- I would definitely have him in the top five. He's a he's a king of like a one liner sort totally. of little quips, that, dad that, jokes. Yes. Just, yeah. Well, yeah. and and self deprecating, self deprecating. I get no right. Respect. I get no respect. Yeah. And uh, some of his and he's so fast with them. Yeah. That there are still times when I'm listening to him reruns, and it's like, wait. You have to rewind it. Wait, what? Did, what you did missed he, it? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's laughing, and I. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. He's he's fantastic. Yeah. 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 Okay. Excellent. Okay. Third round. So third round, I I think I'm going to have to go with, so this is another, I'm going to try to be well-rounded here, and I'm going to go with Mitch Hedberg. Again, I don't know who that is. You don't know Mitch Hedberg. Okay. Um, he is the uh, king of non sequiturs and general silliness. Okay. Um. Not exactly one-liners, but pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he is completely clean, although I think that he was probably on drugs for his entire career. And it kind of shows, but that's where a lot of his humor comes from. Uh-huh. But his his humor is a lot of, from animals and from just interesting observations, uh, but not observational the way that Seinfeld is. It's, he's, it's just... Uh, hmm. A quirky way of looking at things that nobody who who would think of this <laughs> that, right. that sort of right yeah 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 okay you well, have to be on drugs to think this way yeah. and he was and it was hilarious okay well then um, I don't third hmm. round who you got yeah so I'm I'm gonna just for the sake of being well rounded yeah I'm gonna follow suit uh, I'm gonna move this guy up and say uh, to match. Uh, with this, what you just described as Mitch okay. Hedberg, I'm going to go with Norm McDonald. He is on my list as well, um, but not anymore. Yes, Norm, uh, who quirky, thoughtful, deep. Yes, interesting, provocative. I, uh, yes, provocative. Yeah. I also liked that, sort of like Dave Chappelle, he did not care what you thought of him. Yeah. So he recently died. Norm McDonald did. Yeah. And. He did not care what anybody thought of him, and no one would tell him what to say. When he was on Saturday Night Live, he actually got fired. I don't right. know if you know that. Yeah, I do. Because they tried to tell him what kind of jokes he could and couldn't say, and the jokes he wasn't supposed to say, he got on there and just like went bananas to saying stuff he wasn't supposed to be saying, and right. so they fired him. Right. Um, and he thought that was funny. Right. Right. And that's why he did it, because he thought it was funny. Yeah. And yeah, he, he was wonderful. He was a wonderful, wonderful comedian. He was a comedian's comedian. Even right. like all the comedians loved him. Yeah, 
Yeah. 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 That unique perspective. And very quirky. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good one. Man. All right, I'm going to try and match that here. I don't know if I can. We still got so, yeah, two more spots. Yep, and there's so spots. many good good ones. I'm going to have to go with Robin Williams. Oh yeah. Okay. Robin Williams. He's one that did have a lot of great movies and he really was a phenomenal actor um in lots of ways, but I'm just thinking just of his stand up. His bit on golf, and I mean, just so many things. But yeah. uh, he's got some of the some of the best uh, stories and lines, and he had such his own style of frenetic, um, free association, uh, going from thing to thing to uh-huh. thing to thing, and everything yeah. is related to everything else, and all right. the characters he would do, and and uh, yeah, he was yeah. just absolutely amazing. Yeah, he was. Uh, he it was almost like he was uh, uh, manic. Yes, during his yes, and maybe yes, he, yes. maybe he was bipolar because uh, he he definitely suffered from depression and yes. of course ended his life. Yeah, um, and yeah. so maybe he was hot and cold and uh, yeah. but when he was on, he was really on. Yeah, that, yeah. there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and he yeah. did a lot of drugs. Mm. He also did a lot of drugs. Yeah, especially early early in his life, um, as he got you know rose so fast. Yeah. and couldn't handle all of the fame yeah, and the pressure. Right. Um, later on, he he was able to become sober. I think for most of his adult life. Yeah. Um, and that's when he was a lot calmer and did some of the dramas and you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing where he was really good, but yeah. So some of that was from drugs and some of it was probably from mental illness. Nonetheless, um, he was hilarious. He he yeah. was absolutely hilarious. Okay, well, um, I, I'm going to play to the crowd on this next okay. one. Okay, uh, and again, I'm going for well-rounded here. Yep. Um, you keep saying that we got you got yeah. Jim Gaffigan, Ronnie Dangerfield, and Norm Macdonald. That's that's getting. I think there's some real differences there. Um, oh yeah, for sure. But I want to get an African American. Yeah, and um, I want to I want to take note that I would probably rather listen to Chris Rock or Eddie Murphy. Definitely Dave Chappelle. Definitely, but you stole him. I stole him. Yeah. But I'm going to play to the crowd, and I'm going to get probably uh, the one person that everyone knows, and you you know where I'm going with this, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Yep. Um, yep. He is so uh, beloved and well known yep. and famous. Yep. Uh, no doubt. And so I'm going to pick him up for my team. He's also an older um, older. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, um, yeah. He is. He's hilarious. What, um, what are some of your favorite uh, ones that you remember from him? Uh, also, he, you know, he was crass too. He was at times. Uh-huh. Um, and absolutely. Uh, but, and and he was not afraid of the race issues. Um, and he spoke out yes. in a way that. Uh, so I love that when a comedian it can be funny, but they're also going to say some social commentary. Yeah. Even if I disagree with it, yes. I applaud but something. the effort mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the um, that that's uh, putting yourself out there, yep. right? That's totally. courage. Yep. And uh, you want to see a change, and so uh, so I can think of things that he he did uh, related to that that I'm not mm-hmm. going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, he used the N word a lot. Yes. Which uh, you know that's that's passe, and we don't mm-hmm. you know I, I'm not a fan of that, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. he has his place, and he's on my team. So absolutely, that makes sense to me. Uh, okay, so I've got Dave Chappelle, Brian Regan, Mitch Hedberg, Robin Williams. I got one more to go, and boy, I think I'm going to go with George Carlin. George Carlin. George, George Carlin. I know who that is, but I wouldn't have picked him. Is that right? Yeah. He he was um, very very intellectual, and I he was an atheist, an outspoken atheist, and actually uh-huh. made fun of believers. Uh and although I obviously disagree with his point of view there, he was very interesting and provocative, uh-huh. and 
he was able to point out not that wasn't his main thing. He didn't mostly talk about that. But for you know, we got a lot of Christians that listen to our yeah. show, and we're Christians, and so uh, that might be something that you that you don't like about him. And he is off putting because of his stance that way. However, when he pointed out the discrepancies between rich and poor, and between the how the systems of the wealthy oppress the poor and the can't get ahead and all that stuff. Uh-huh. He did it in such a hilarious way that it was like, okay, that you're exactly right. And I'm kind of laughing about it. And also like, okay, we got to do something different. And he just was able to kind of use humor to cut through all of that stuff. And right. again, social commentary in a different way, but uh, social commentary the way that Dave Chappelle was, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. He is fantastic. Um, I, I'm i going to get uh, a woman. We don't have any women. We don't have any women here. So I'm yeah. going to be the only team with a woman. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm playing to the crowd as well. Playing to the, to the, f- and, and, yeah. and being well-rounded here. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm probably going to surprise people. I, some notable women, Wanda Sykes is funny. She's Sarah hilarious. Sarah is funny. Yep, yep. There's a couple that are out now that, um, I can't remember her name right now, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I, I just can't quite okay. place There's it. There's a number of great women. Yeah, yeah, she's hilarious and super crass, though. Okay. So, you know, I kind of shy away from that when it gets a little, it, it's really well, it's excessive. Too it's too much, yeah. Yeah, um, and, but she is very, very funny. And yeah. I, her name just keeps bouncing in and out of my mind. Okay. I can't come to my lips. Okay. But I'm going to pick somebody older again. Okay. That um, I don't know a lot of their stand-up. They did more like little clips. Okay. But she is hilarious. All right. Joan Rivers. Really? Yeah. I know her from uh like parade like announcing parades and like I, I don't know her as a comedian. I don't know her as a comedian. Yeah, so like I said, I, I never I know saw who like you're a, talking about. Like a whole show of her. But she had her own television show. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and but that um that's not I guess really an account for stand up. So maybe this yeah. is a poor choice, but uh, as far as stand up, but when she did uh-huh. She has done stand-up, and, okay. when, and the clips that I've seen of her, mm-hmm. uh, so she's in an interview, she's on a talk show, she is hysterical. Yeah. And her show was like a fashion show, where she was making uh-huh. fun of Hollywood, Yeah, and it was a riot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, she had this segment called Bitch Stole My Look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she she is funny. Okay. She's really funny. Very, and she's self-deprecating, and she, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, and very quick on her feet. Okay. Um, so... Uh, yeah, the name uh, keep is it Lindsay something that there's a, there's a blonde haired girl who's out who's very funny. I don't know. Lindsay I don't know who you're talking about. Something Lindsay something. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, last time we had an alternate. Uh, can we have an alternate? Um, I haven't thought of an alternate, but go ahead. Have you? Okay. Can you come up with an alternate? Probably. Okay. Because my alternate would definitely be a woman, and that is Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. Uh, her stand-up, I think, is also fantastic. Now she's gotten into some trouble recently because uh, she doesn't uh, treat her staff well or something. I don't, I don't, oh, I don't follow that. Okay, I don't follow that real well. That that connection, but her stand-up, which is how she started, is absolutely hilarious. I don't know if I've ever seen her do stand-up. Have you? I, not? I know her from her TV show. Yeah, I don't really watch got that, that either. T- but she, no, I don't so much either. But she got that TV show from her work. Um, I think it's mostly in stand-up. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, she's she's really funny. But there's, yeah, anyway. 
So there we go. Um, so that's my team. So you got. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay, let me think of some other. Uh, uh, Jay Leno did stand up. He was yes. funny. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried was funny. Gilbert Gottfried. He was a very quirky guy. Yes. Let's think about that for a minute. Yeah. Um, uh, this is not on your team, but an alternate. Yeah, I'm just okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember that girl's name. I I have to turn to the internet maybe to find it because I'm just too old and she's too new. Um, yeah. And so maybe I'll have to have to pick someone else. Um, I do know like, uh, uh, well, you know who's funny, uh, crass but fun. Louis C.K. is funny. Yes. Yes. Yep. He could be an alternate for me for sure. Um, um I, he would. He's he. I, I'm. He, he's been popping in my mind a number of times uh-huh. here as well. Yeah. And I haven't picked him. Um, but. That that is a good pick. Okay, well let's name ultimate. our teams and have people let All us right. know who they. Choose. So here here's the thing: uh, if you're listening to this, you got to figure out. Uh, you got to let us know which of these teams is better in terms of stand-up comedy. Here's going to be my team, and this is actually the better one. <laughs> uh, and so you need to let let us know that Dave is wrong. Uh, he's got some good. He's got some funny stuff in here, but but my team is definitely better. And here's my team: Dave Chappelle, Brian Regan. Mitch Hedberg, Robin Williams, and George Carlin, with an alternate of Ellen DeGeneres. Well, I've got a ringer with Jim Gaffigan. Come on, Dave Chappelle. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, (laughs) Rodney Dangerfield, Norm MacDonald, Richard Pryor, Joan Rivers, and my alternate is Louis C.K. Yeah. Those are both strong teams. uh, Uh But But once again, you think you've won. I think so. Uh, So let us know. Yeah, cast um, your vote. Cast your vote. Um, you can go on Facebook, and we'll put the poll up on Facebook, on the Hopper Podcast uh, Facebook group, or you can email us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com, um, or uh, go to the uh, show notes, and we'll have a couple ways that you can you can uh, let us know there which of these is the better team. It's mine. No. Okay, so we have our two teams of comedians, my team and Dave's team. I want you all to go on to Facebook and vote for which team is a better team. And I want you to vote for my team. But if you want to vote for Dave's, that's okay too. But in order to give you an idea of what our teams are like, I'm going to play for you now a clip from everybody from my team. So now you're going to hear short clips from Dave Chappelle, Brian Regan, Mitch Hedberg, Robin Williams, and George Carlin. That's my team. Uh, it, I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. There is some uh, profane language coming up, and it is hilarious. If you want to skip it, then you are done with this episode. But now I'm watching it as an adult, and I realize Sesame Street teaches kids other things. It teaches kids how to judge people and label people. That's right. They got a character on there named Oscar. They treat this guy like shit the entire show. They judge him right in his face. Oscar, you are so mean, isn't it, kids? Yeah, Oscar. You're a grouch. It's like, bitch, I live in a fucking trash can. I'm the poorest motherfucker on Sesame Street. Nobody's helping me. Then you wonder why your kids grow up and step over homeless people. Get it together, Grouch. Get a job, Grouch. 
So don't even tell me how to get to Sesame Street. That is a terrible place. I wouldn't go there if I knew the way. <laughs> Who would want to live in a neighborhood like that? Fucking six-foot pigeons walking around. <laughs> an elephant that's a junkie. <laughs> Hyper. Yeah, that's right, Snuffy. Hi, bird, I'm sick. I need some smack bird. Then Cookie Monster with his eyes popping out his head, screaming, Cookie, 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 like, ugh. Kind of cookies are you talking about? Chocolate chips don't do that to people. But I admire flight attendants, man, I really do. They put up with a lot of garbage from people. Have you ever been sitting in your seat and you see somebody trying to fit something in the overhead rack that you know ain't going in there like in a million years. They have like a mattress and a lamp. You're looking at him like, what kind of perception problems does this guy have? And the flight attendants are always nice. They always run up and act like it might maybe fit. You know, oh, I don't know if that's going to get up there. We can check it for you, you moron. I know that's what they want to say. I think Bigfoot is blurry. That's the problem. It's not the photographer's fault. Bigfoot is blurry. And that's extra scary to me because there's a large out-of-focus monster roaming the countryside. One time a guy handed me a picture of me, he said, here's a picture of me when I was younger. Every picture is of you when you were younger. <laughs> ain't, that, ain't, that, ain't that about time someone said that? I think Pringles' initial intention was to make tennis balls. <laughs> But on the day that the rubber was supposed to show up, a big truckload of potatoes arrived. <laughs> and Pringles said, what the hell? Cut them up. That's how they could invent golf. <laughs> they could have a couple of Guinness, and then the next thing you know, what's, here's my idea for a sport. <laughs> I knock a ball into a gopher hole. You mean like pool? No, forget pool. That was a straight stick. A little broken stick. I whack a ball into a gopher hole. Oh, you mean like croquet? Ah, no, not croquet. That's a pussy sport. I put the hole hundreds of yards away. Oh, kind of like a bowling alley. Oh, no way. I put shit in the way. I put stuff in the way like trees and bushes. So you whack the ball, and you're sitting there whacking away, and you feel like you're going to have a stroll. <laughs> That's what we'll call it, because every time you hit the ball, you think you're going to die. <laughs> and right near the end, they'll put a nice flat bit with a tiny flag to give you hope. <laughs> and they'll put a pool and a sandbox to grab your ball. <laughs> you do this one time. Oh, no, 18 damn times. <laughs> important that is that's the whole that's the whole meaning of life isn't it trying to find a place for your stuff that's all your house is your house is just a place for your stuff if you didn't have so much goddamn stuff you wouldn't need a house you could just walk around all the time that's all your house is it's a pile of stuff with a cover on it 
You see that when you take off in an airplane and you look down and you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff. Everybody's got their own pile of stuff. And when you leave your stuff, you gotta lock it up. Wouldn't want somebody to come by and take some of your stuff. They always take the good stuff. They don't bother with that crap you're saving. Ain't nobody interested in your fourth grade arithmetic papers. They're looking for the good stuff. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. Now, sometimes, sometimes you've got to move. You've got to get a bigger house. Why? Too much stuff. You've got to move all your stuff. And maybe put some of your stuff in storage. Imagine that. There's a whole industry based on keeping an eye on your stuff. Enough about your stuff. Let's talk about other people's stuff. Did you ever notice when you go to somebody else's house, you never quite feel 100% at home? You know why? No room for your stuff. Somebody else's stuff is all over the place. And what awful stuff it is. Where did they get this stuff? And if you have to stay overnight at someone's house, you know, unexpectedly, and they give you a little room to sleep in that they don't use that often. Someone died in it 11 years ago. And they haven't moved any of his stuff. Or wherever they give you to sleep, usually right near the bed, there's a dresser, and there's never any room on the dresser for your stuff. Someone else's shit is on the dresser. Have you noticed that their stuff is shit, and your shit is stuff? Okay, so now we're going to hear from Dave's team. And Dave's team is Jim Gaffigan, Rodney Dangerfield, Norm MacDonald, Richard Pryor, and Joan Rivers. Don't forget, go on Facebook and vote for which team is your favorite. I went camping recently for this next joke. And I married a woman who loves to camp, and I am what you would call indoorsy. I'm surprised we can still get people to camp. Hey, want to burn a couple of vacation days sleeping on the ground outside? Uh, no. What if I told you to get the crap standing up in the woods? I still wouldn't want to go. You'll wake up freezing covered in a rash. All right, I'll go. My wife always brings up, camping's a tradition in my family. Hey, it was a tradition in everyone's family till we came up with a house. My parents never took me camping. You know why? Because they loved me. It'll get you closer to nature. I want to keep the relationship professional. If it's so great outside, why are all the bugs trying to get in my house? Some places you have to pay to camp. You have to pay to sleep outside. That's got to be insulting to the homeless people. How much does this cost you? I live out here! That must be really expensive. Occasionally at the campsite, you'll see the Winnebago. That's kind of cheating, isn't it? Oh, that's what I forgot. My house. <laughs> Don't you have luck with no, I never had luck with me. I'm no ladies' man. I know that, Johnny. I never got girls when I was a kid in show business either, you know? Well, one girl told me, come on over. There's nobody home. I went over. There was nobody home. <laughs> And this girl was no bargain either. She was fat. Who? Fat, huh? How fat? When she wears high heels, she strikes oil, okay? She's fat. <laughs> fat, you kidding? Fat, huh? Fat, 
Big, big girl. Well, I met her at the Macy's parade. She was wearing ropes. <laughs> I mean, fat. When she was on the Richard Simmons show, jumping up and down, my TV fell off the stand. When I'm talking about a fat girl big here, you know girl. what I mean? Big, big, big girl. You're kidding? She was standing alone. A cop told her to break it up, you know? <laughs> I mean, this girl was fat and ugly. Ooh, was she ugly? Ugly. How oh, ugly? I took her to the beach. They asked me what I used for bait. <laughs> when I took her home, my mother put newspapers on the floor. Oh. I mean, ugly. I gave her a hickey. I got fur in my mouth. <laughs> There is one country that worries me, though. Not Iraq, not Iran, not North Korea. The only country that really worries me is uh, the country of Germany. I don't know if you guys are history buffs or not, but... Uh... In the early uh, part of the previous century, Germany decided to go to war. And uh, who did they go to war with? The world. <laughs> never been tried before. And uh, so you figure that would take about five seconds for the world to win, but uh, no, it was actually close. <laughs> then, about, then about 30 years pass, and uh, Germany decides again to go to war, and again it chooses as its enemy the world. <laughs> And this time they have that guy, shkrankly, crankly, that guy. And I'm not even going to dignify him by saying his name, but I think you know what I'm talking <laughs> But you'd think at that point the world will go, listen, Germany, here's the deal. You don't get to be a country no more on account of you keep attacking the world. <laughs> Cheetah, man, is the weirdest thing to see go chase something because you don't see nothing but dust. I saw two cheetah and it looked like they were talking about jumping on some gazelle. But they go, you want to go after that herd? Say, nah, man, they too close, shit. Why don't we give them another hundred yards? How's the wife and family, man? You know, it's going to be tourist season soon. I got an arm last year. They're about far enough. You ready? <laughs> and the shit, the, like the gazelles and shits, hear them motherfuckers. They don't. They be eating and hear them just start running. They don't even look. Run! And the motherfucker that can't hear is in trouble. What? Cheetah! Cheetah! What? Cheetah! What you say? It's your ass! I got ya! I saw a uh, one of them gazelles though make a move on a cheetah. It was embarrassing. The cheetah got pissed off too. Cause he's ready to get the gazelle and the gazelle said... And that motherfucker fell 400 yards trying to stop and got up. I'm gonna get you, motherfucker! 
make me look bad. You know who I'm really sick of? Can we talk here for a second? You know who I'm really sick of? Taylor Swift. My boyfriend's left me. My boyfriend's left. Nine guys in nine months. Figure out why, you dumb bitch. Why? She doesn't douche. I'm going to tell you that she doesn't douche. If I were her mother, I would say, put down the pen and take a sniff. That's what they're... Uh, Adele is suing me. Miss Butterqueen, she is suing me. You said I was fat. She wants an apology. She wants me to take out a big billboard and say, I'm really sorry. I said, I'm not taking out a billboard. I'll write it on your big ass. It is just... for listening to the hopper podcast you made it to the end of this week's episode congratulations you win a fake hezbollah beard oh wow halloween's coming up yeah i guess so to claim that prize write to us at the hopper podcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 214-267-9287 join us next time when we will discuss my favorite recipe for mustard cookies yum i'm getting it perfected okay Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by King Chuck and Chamomile Tea. King Chuck and Chamomile Tea. They like mustard cookies. Okay. All right. Or ketchup cookies. Ketchup cookies, yeah.